0: Welcome to the Life and Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Daniela. If you don't know me, hi. Um, I am on our small little preaching team here at LIDE. I also am on the board of directors. My husband and I have been here. He's been here longer than me. I've been here over 10 years now, so... Been here a little while, yeah. Um, okay, so we are currently in a series called Behold, which means courtesy. Sure so I have been given the topic today of belonging. We're really digging into the things that matter to God, becoming more of aware of the Spirit's presence in our life. Um, and so we're talking about belonging, which the passage I've been given is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. We'll get there in just a second. So, I'm, like, out of breath from dancing, (laughs) y'all. Okay. (laughs) All right, so we can look around us and find a host of different examples or places, a definition of belonging. Nowhere displays such a stark depiction of this as teen movies and comedies, okay? Uh, We could look at Regina George and the Plastics. We could uh, maybe consider High School Musical, which came out 17 years ago, by the way. Um, Yeah, crazy, (laughs) 17 years ago. And what's prevalent in both of these movies? Clicks, right, clicks. Entertainment Weekly, Buzzfeed, they all jumped on this on the click train, making these quizzes, right? What East High clique would you belong to quizzes? Um, And, of course, I did not participate in those, especially not right now as an adult preparing the sermon, because that would be really juvenile. Um, But, yeah, I was in the nerd's clique. But from these movies, we see something about belonging, okay? Belonging can be, it can become, a tight, inflexible, rigid social construct. It can. And both movies have some pretty distinct cliques. In the Stick to the Status Quo, which is a song in High School Musical, we see a variety of stereotypical groups represented. Athletes, nerds, skaters, musicians, and all have their unspoken rules about belonging. Each group has these unspoken rules. Um, I never, in my wildest dreams, would have thought that I would have ever referenced High School Musical in a sermon, but uh, here we are. Um, at the end of the movie, a combination of students from all of these once cliques sing, "We're all in this together," and maybe they, maybe they have something there. Maybe they're onto something. Um, Now that we've taken a deep dive into teen movies of the early 2000s, we don't put scripture verses up on the screen. So if you'd like to borrow one of our Bibles, you can raise your hand and our ushers will get you one of ours. Um, The intent is to encourage you to access the Bible on your own. So you're welcome to do that on your phone if you brought a Bible. Um, But we will go uh, into that here in just a second. So the concept of belonging is one that I think we wrestle with as humans. Where do I belong? How do I belong? We like to think that it's cut and dry. But actually, it's kind of an abstract concept. Um, what does it mean to belong? And a play therapist in DFW, Vanessa Sanford, wrote this week that play is a portal to belonging. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty abstract concept. Uh, Scott Erickson, who's an author and also a social media presence, wrote these words a couple weeks ago. I'm lost, but not to you, to God. I'm lost to me, lost to the self that doesn't work anymore. May I see my lostness not as a sign of being forgotten, but as a necessary preamble to the celebration of my belonging. That's really beautiful. It's, again, still kind of abstract, right? We try so hard to understand and to express what does it mean to belong or to not belong. Um, so what does the Bible say? So again, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today, starting in verse 1. Um, so if you want to kind of get ready. But before I before I go there, um, let's start with a little bit of background on this writing. So 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul um, as a letter to the church in Corinth, which... Um, that would be called an epistle. It's a letter sent by an apostle. Um, So that's a little fun little fact. 1 Corinthians was cited early in church literature. It was accepted early on into the New Testament, the Kins of the New Testament. Um, So Corinth, the city in Paul's day, would have been a really cosmopolitan city with Romans, Greeks, Jews, others from across the Mediterranean. Um, There was actually a Greek verb at that time called, or the Greek verb was Corinthia zomai, they actually had a verb that meant to act like a Corinthian. Like, these people had a reputation. Um, so you might be a visual person, so if you kind of picture a map of Greece, uh, or I guess pull out your phone if you really want to if you want to see it. Corinth was located on the four to five mile Isthmus. Did I say that right? If anybody knows how to actually say that, you know, feel free to correct me. Um, between mainland Greece and then that large um, island there. Mm, there we go. Um, the southern peninsula. So it was kind of a port city because people would sometimes come there and then pay people to drag their boats across. So it kind of became a port city, which is why you have all those different people in this one spot. Um, so it would have, the church in Corinth would have been multi-ethnic. It would have been multicultural because of where it was located. And so Paul had spent a year there, a year and a half in Corinth, sharing the good news of Jesus. You can read more about that in Acts chapter 18 if you want to um, know a little bit more about that time. So that's the background of what we're about to read. I think it's really important that we grasp what it meant then in order to understand how it can apply to us now. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. I'm going to uh, read from the Christian Standard Bible today. Okay. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready, because you're still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. So where to start? (laughs) Um, We see from this passage that the church in Corinth was not living by the Spirit, not living by what Paul had kind of talked to them about when he had visited. So he says that there was jealousy, there was quarreling among them. Um, that's what was happening in their little faith community. And that, according to Paul, indicates worldliness. Hi. That's my youngest. Um, so Paul basically, in this letter here, calls them a bunch of babies, right? You couldn't handle solid food. I had to give you milk instead. Um, we can speculate as to what that would have looked like. You know, what would this milk would, you know, have been that wasn't maybe so deep? It wasn't solid food. Um, I'm going to take a guess as to what that could be. Um, it could look something kind of like the Apostles' Creed, right? Kind of the basics. What are the basics? And of course, the Apostles' Creed wasn't written at the time, so I'm not saying it was literally the Apostles' Creed. Um, we actually have the Apostles' Creed as part of our tenets of faith here at Life and Deep our bylaws. So I'm going to actually read them right now. We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, on the third day rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. The basics, right? You don't hear a lot of uh, other things in there about election or right, any other <laughs> kind of theological things that we get hung up on. Um, and we've said it lie that we're a creedal Christian community. It's the basics that unite us, right? That's what unites us here. And so maybe Paul was sharing things, something like the Apostles' Creed. Maybe it was less, you know, than that full thing that I just read. Maybe it was pieces of that. Um, we don't know. We can speculate. Um, There's another, there's a song that came out in 1992. I'm not sure if anyone is going to know this, but I wanted to throw it out there anyway. Uh, For him, it's a a kind of Christian music. Okay, a few of you. All right, back to the basics. Anybody know that song? We need to get back to the basics, the basics of life, a heart that is pure and a love that is blind, a faith that is fervently grounded in Christ, the hope that endures for all time. These are the basics. We need to get back to the basics of life however you want to look at it, right? There's some basics that Paul is setting up and telling the faith community in Corinth that they are immature little Christians, immature little Christ followers who are not living as though the Spirit was leading them. That's what he's getting at in this first bit of the passage. They didn't have a love that is blind because they were quarreling and they were jealous of each other and they were arguing. And so the implication here that Paul is making is that true faith in Jesus makes people more peaceable, not more contentious. Then Paul goes on to describe a little deeper what some of those arguments look like. Well, I belong to Apollos. Oh, yeah? Well, I follow Paul, and he's the one who actually told us all this stuff in the first place. Ha, well, Apollos at least stuck around. Where is Paul now? Off on some new adventure, planning some new church? And in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 11, Paul actually lifts another person, Cephas. So there's multiple people that are involved in the faith community and who are sharing the good news. So the Bible Project actually says that you know, these people, these people in the faith community who are saying, I follow Paulus. So I follow Paul, they're kind of acting like groupies. That's how the Bible Project describes them. little groupie saying, this is who I follow. Um, So another bit of cultural context that's important to understand with this passage is sophists in Greece, in that time would have been all about rhetoric and grammar and politics and uh, other subjects and that sort of thing, and in order to gain a following, in order to gain more power and influence, they had to have people say, I follow so and so. They had to do that. That was part of the culture. It also wasn't unheard of for people who followed those sophists to get into it with the people from the other, who follow the other sophists. So it was really countercultural for Paul to say, "We're not. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> don't. You're not following me. You're not following Apollos, We're just accountable to God." That was countercultural. So the faith community in Corinth is just arguing about who they follow. And if it was us, it might look something like this: I follow Jenna. I follow Joel, or I follow Rachel. I'm Methodist. I'm Baptist. I'm Pentecostal. I go to the conservative service. (laughs) I'm part of a hip faith community. Okay, and Paul is saying, who cares who you follow in the church if it's producing the spirit in you, right? If, If you can see the effects of the spirit. Who cares? Who cares who started life in Debellum? Who cares who's watering it now? No offense, Jenna. (laughs) God is making it grow. God is making it grow. So when we look at the Greek of this text, another way to translate it is that God kept it growing. Without God, we are only watering or we are only planting, not making it grow. God is responsible for keeping it growing. And I think of Psalms uh, chapter 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So as an aside, this should be encouraging for us at this season uh, at Lyde, right? Um, We can water, we can plant, we can have meetings and come up with fancy plans and all kinds of stuff. But God makes it grow, not us. And so that should be encouraging to us. Um, And growth isn't a one-time thing. Oh, look, a flower grew. No! Uh, in a book I read recently, which actually has absolutely nothing to do with faith or the Bible, um, by Terry Kotman and Kristen Wallen. Did I say her last name? Wallen? Okay. Um, they wrote, just as the gardener waters a plant, even after it has begun to flourish in the garden. Right? So it's not like, boom, a flower grows and it's there forever. It needs continual watering. And don't we need that spiritually too? Right? That's why we pray. That's why we meet together at the gathering. We spend time studying the Bible for ourselves because we know that even after we start to flourish, we still need watering. Um, Anyone here do much gardening? Okay, a few of you. Um, I actually wrote this little bit into my sermon before I knew my mother was going to be here, but I don't even think she's in the room right now. So she will just have to listen to this later. Um, My mother who is here today, um, loves to garden. And I mean, she's fabulous at it. You should see all around her house. She's got all this, just, it's beautiful. I, on the other hand, have a tendency to overwater my plants, okay? Um, really, I do. And, and that's just house plants. So gardening, no thank you. <laughs> you is my husband over there chuckling? Yeah. Uh, gardening does not sound like something that I am skilled in. Uh, maybe you have the opposite problem. You know, I overwater. Maybe you don't water your plants enough. Maybe they don't get any water. Um, I can plant. I can maybe try to water, but praise God that I'm not responsible for making it grow. Because, okay, even if I'm watering the plant, what else am I doing for it? Am I making the sun shine? Am I forcing the seed and the leaves to absorb nutrients? Am I responsible for ensuring just the right atmosphere around the plant and the process around which it converts carbon dioxide and water and the sun's energy into nutrients to feed itself? I couldn't even remember that. Without Google, let alone make sure it happens. No, I can only be a waterer, I can only be a planter. I cannot make it grow. I can't. I can provide a little here, I can provide a little there, but I can't make it grow because God does that. So that's what Paul's saying to the faith community in Corinth. Knock it off saying who you follow. Apollos and I had our jobs, but God is the one who made it grow. We're just following Jesus. Um, So here's what I hear uh, what Paul is saying in relation to belonging. Belonging to the world equates to spiritual immaturity. Belonging to the world looks like jealousy. Belonging to the world looks like arguing and disagreements. And we live in a society full of sides. You're pro this, so you're pro that. You're anti this, so you're anti that. Today's even the Super Bowl, a day when we say, I follow the Chiefs, I follow the Eagles. And as you cheer for your sides today, remember that there are no sides in God's kingdom. Now, the band is not going to come today because part of our band is hanging out with the kids in the back, making sure that they are hearing about Jesus too. So um, we're going to have just a little bit of music playing in the background. With something a little different today. Um, but I think that we like to say that our side looks more Christ-like than the other side. I think we like to say that Jesus would identify more with our side than the other side. But the reality is, Jesus isn't for sides. He's for people. He's for all the people. Belonging to Jesus looks like laying down the distinctions. Belonging to Jesus looks like leaving aside the divisions. Belonging to Jesus opens up a new reality. So I'd like to do a different kind of ending today, an exercise. Um, we've talked about belonging, and we've used the imagery of the garden. That's how Paul has talked about this. So I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that imagery now. Um, I took this exercise from Terry Cotman and Kristen meany Wallen, who, again, has nothing to do with faith or the Bible, but it works out really well today. So my ask is that you close your eyes if you're comfortable. Get comfortable in your space. Now, I'd like you to imagine... That there's this garden. And the garden can be your faith community. It can be life in Ebellum, It can be the kingdom of God. Imagine this garden. And you're, you are a plant in that garden. Imagine yourself as one of the plants in that garden. And f- find out what it's like to be there. Where is the garden? Is it in a pot? the ground? Is it an open space or growing through cement? Or maybe even inside somewhere? Now, what kind of plant are you? Notice your size. Are you small? Or large? How wide are you? How tall are you? Do you have any flowers? And if you do, what kind are they? Do you have leaves? Pay attention to what your stems and branches are like. Do you have any thorns? What are your roots like? Or maybe you don't have any. If you have roots, are they deep? Now still with your eyes closed, look around the garden and see if there are any other plants. If there are other plants, what do they look like? Are the other plants the same or different from you? Do the other plants have leaves, flowers, stems, roots, thorns? How close are the other plants in relation to where you are in the garden? Are they the same size as you or bigger or smaller? Still with your eyes closed, look around in the garden. What else do you see? Are there animals? People? Statues? Birds? Is there anything around you like a fence? If there is, what does it look like? What's the weather like right now? And how do you feel? What happens to you as the seasons change? Does someone take care of you in the garden? If there is someone who takes care of you, how do they care for you? Does that person also take care of the other plants? Take a moment longer to take it in the garden. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. We all play a part in cultivating this belonging, and yet there are a million little ways that we as humans fail in this. And that's a sermon for another day. <laughs> but when your faith community falls short to making you feel as though you belong, or your family falls short to making you feel as though you belong, or your school or your work or insert whatever you know place that you find yourself. When that place falls short in making you feel as though you belong, remember that you have a God who has never, ever been confused about where you belong. Nobody fits. And everyone truly belongs with God. He knows you by heart. Belonging starts and ends with God. And week after week as we've been going through this series, we've come to the same spot. The only reason we have is because of God. And it's the same here today. We can cultivate this community of belonging because we belong to God. There's no true belonging without him. You belong. And because you belong to God, we get the beautiful job of centering ourselves around Christ. To water a garden... Of belonging that only God is responsible for making grow. Following Christ unites us. It unites us in order to create a place of true belonging, and yet we also don't get to take credit for the growth because God makes it grow. Today's benediction is a little different than normal. Um, I'm actually taking it from another song, which I think is like song three or four that I've quoted today. Um, This one's from JJ Heller. She writes a whole lot of beautiful music. Um, But this song, Um, It's called I Know You By Heart. And I'm just going to read just kind of part of the chorus uh, to close this out today, kind of as our benediction. But this song is really spoken from the perspective of, of God to you. That's how she's written it. So receive these words as our benediction today You are enough. You matter in this world. Every second I am proud of who you are. Although you feel forgotten and invisible, I see you and I know you by heart. Be blessed and have a good week.